You're listening to the Rural Advancement Podcast. Rural Advancement provides resources to empower, equip, and encourage rural pastors and churches. Join our community by visiting us at ruraladvancement.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Rural Advancement. This is the podcast that is by rural leaders and for rural leaders. It is our hope every single week, week in and week out, to bring you content that is not just spoken to the rural church, but is spoken by those who get it, people who have lived, worked, and ministered in small, out-of-the-way places. And so if you're tuning into this podcast today and you find yourself as a a pastor, whether you're full-time or bivocational or, or just volunteering, whether you are a deacon or a Sunday school teacher, an associate, or you're just trying to do God's work in some wonderful small town, we hope that you leave this podcast encouraged, informed, and resourced in terms of uh, doing God's work where you're at. I am your host, Joe Epley, and today we have an opportunity to interview uh, a friend of mine and a friend of uh, my home state, Montana, and that's uh, Pastor Rich Greenwald. He has served as a rural pastor for just an impressive number of years as well as uh, as the director for the Rural America Ministries uh, Network, kind of, and they do all these awesome things for rural churches, and we're going to get into that. And so uh, the first thing I want to say, though, is, uh, Pastor Rich, how are you doing today, man? Hey, I'm doing great. It's great to be with you. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. And we're uh, just excited to jump into the conversation. I know that, uh, again, I always love hearing from people who have had unique experiences, maybe unique vantage points, and uh, on multiple counts, I feel like you fit that bill. And so um, so we're excited. Well, let's start with this. Uh, we ask everybody on the podcast just to maybe take some time and describe a bit of their ministry and their story and their connection to the rural church. And so maybe fill our listeners in. Where have you been? What have you done? How'd you get where you are now? All right. Well, uh, starting back at the beginning, I, I really felt a call of God to ministry when I was in high school. And so as soon as I graduated, I went off to Bible college like you know, everybody who feels that call of God to ministry, you, you you go out there. And then I came back to Montana and began as a youth pastor in Missoula, Montana, uh, working with Pastor Wes Bartell. And um, he really became a mentor of mine, and we became great friends during that stretch of time. But I truly did know that my call was not to youth ministry. My call was to be a lead pastor, and uh, that was a great training time for me. Uh, but I was there for about three and a half years and then uh, moved on to begin pastoring in rural churches. Uh, I can't say that that was by design necessarily on my sure. part. It was just the way that God led us and um, began to grow on me that that rural mentality. That rural sure, life. sure. As it, as it often does, you know. Yes, so. <laughs> and uh, so we actually left Montana at that point. While I was in Missoula, I met my wife. We got married, and uh, and together we went off to Thermopolis, Wyoming, um, to pastor uh, Living Waters Assembly of God in Thermopolis, Wyoming. And uh, brief stint there, but we we left there after just a couple of years, and went to Circle, Montana, just just to throw in some fun tidbits about those places those. we lived. Uh, Thermopolis. If you don't know, uh, just by the name, Thermopolis boasts the world's largest mineral hot springs. So nice. if you're looking for a place to go sit and soak in mineral hot springs, Thermopolis is your place. It's a beautiful area. And uh, we we do love Wyoming and we love that area. How many hot springs does Circle Montana have? Well, Circle did not have any hot springs. The claim to fame of Circle 
is that it is the furthest away from a Starbucks anywhere in the United States. Wow. And, uh, so, and that's about it. That's, that's the true what, edges of civilization. I mean, really. <laughs> it, it truly is uh, in the middle of nowhere. We've got a long ways to go to get to anywhere. We spent about seven years in circle and then moved to Cutbank, Montana, uh, where we pastored for 15 years. And uh, Cutbank's claim to fame is uh, still boasting the coldest spot in the United States. So uh, wow. those are coldest on record temperatures. Yes, <laughs> it is bitter cold. In, yeah, I believe it. In Thermont or in uh, Cutbank. Since then, we've done a little bit of interim work. Right now, I am actually serving as an interim pastor in Crystal Springs, Mississippi, uh, which has about as drastic of a change in climate as you can get from Cutbank, Montana. Yeah, so, sweltering, moist, probably. <laughs> very hot, very humid. I was complaining about the humidity. I've only been here for a week now. Sure, and, sure. Uh, I was complaining about the humidity to somebody the other day, and they just looked at me funny and said, it hasn't gotten humid yet. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, that's the saddest statement anyone can ever make. We're both from Montana where it's just so dry all the time. And some days that's the worst. But most days, I would argue it's the best. So, man, I'm so sad that you're not even at the humid season yet. Yes. So that's coming. We get we get something to look forward to, the heat and the humidity. Yeah. And obviously you've been uh, we're, we're going to get into what uh, Rural America Ministries or what RAM, you know, the RAM network is. But how long have you served as director of that? Well, I've served as the director for about two years now. Before that, uh, Rural America Ministries was actually started by Wes Bartell. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we'll give you the little bit of the skinny about how we got into that. Sure. While I was pastoring in Cutbank, God really began to stir in my heart. My wife and I were praying together and, and both of us just really feeling the sense like God was bringing about a change in our lives. And, and we didn't know what that change was, but we had this heart to help other pastors, but we had no idea how that was going to look or what that was going to be like. And I remember specifically during that period of time, just praying, asking God, you know, God, I, I don't want to just go somewhere else and pastor another church. If, I, if sure. I'm going to continue to be a pastor, I just want to stay here. I love it. I might as I, well 15 people, years. I don't want to go know? And so um, we really wrestled with that, but there was still this stirring inside. And this went on for a couple of years. And uh, finally, uh, we had breakfast one day with our, our district superintendent at the time, Alan Warnicky, and just began to share with him our heart for the rural pastors. And he just opened up and said, you know, I, I've been praying that God would do something like this in rural churches. And, and he really laid out a path for us to become U.S. missionaries working with rural America. Oh, wow. so he wrote a letter of recommendation to uh, the General Council of the Assemblies of God and, and recommending us for U.S. missions. And, and uh, we still had no real concrete idea of what this would even look like. And it was actually while we were driving to Springfield, Missouri for missions orientation that my phone rang and it was Wes Bartell who had been living in Springfield for 20 some years at that point. And, uh, sure. and he told me on the phone that day, he said, Rich, I'm, I'm starting this ministry to rural America. And God just really laid you on my heart to see if you'd oh, like wow. to join with us in this ministry. And, and I just, he had no idea I was on my way to Springfield to Oh, he didn't even know you were traveling that direction. Didn't even know. And oh, so my I said, How gosh. about if I meet with you tomorrow? I'll be there tomorrow. Wow. That yeah. is, man, I love those moments. 
So it, it was really just a, a, a God moment, a confirmation of the call of God and, and the direction that he was leading us. Uh, the ministry of Ram has been evolving since then. I, I'm still not sure that it's all nailed down because God keeps leading us in different avenues. I have to admit that uh, Mississippi was never on my radar. I, I had never even, to be perfectly honest with you, I'm a Montana boy. Yeah, I, I wasn't real sure exactly where Mississippi was. I That's knew it fair. was south. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's hard not uh, to be south in the U.S. from Montana. Yeah, well, that is true. But I knew it was south and east. So, you know, I had a a general direction there. But God just really began to open some doors for us in this area. And uh, uh, we had agreed to come and work with a ministry partner, um, the Paul to Timothy Institute, which does mentoring for pastors to really uh, launch a uh, mentoring program for rural pastors and rural church leaders. And uh, so we had told them that we would, you know, come down and work beside him here. And my intent at that point was just to come back and forth and, and live in Montana. And I, I said, you know, if there's a place I can pull an RV and we can come and stay once in a while for a week or two, and then go oh, back. Sure. And I shared that with, um, with Mike Oney and, and he said, well, let's talk to the superintendent down here in Mississippi. Cause I think they've got RV spots at the district office. And Oh, wow. So we visited with the district, the district superintendent here, uh, Bob Wilburn, and asked him about the RV spots. And he said, well, yeah, that would be fine. You could pull an RV down here. But he said, if you want a house to live in, I think we could even arrange that. And I said, well, that would be kind of nice. He said, the only thing you have to do is be an interim pastor at this church that owns the house. And uh, at the same time, you're doing this other work. And so that's how we ended up in Mississippi. Wow. Um, and, um, and God has just you know, been, been blessing and we're enjoying our time. Well, good, man. That's exciting. I really, uh, I enjoy that journey there. It's, it's quite a, uh, you know, quite an extensive ministry journey, quite a cool number of experiences. And we're going to get into some of those, but, uh, but I want to talk about, um, you know, what it looks like to develop the heart for the rural church. Cause I feel like one, uh, there's a lot of people serving in rural places who still kind of hold rural at arm's length. I know I was one of them, you know, for sure, I when I when I grew up, I was not in a rural context. Moved out to one, and and it took a while, you know, to kind of adjust and to to grow in that. And so, tell me about your first lead pastorate. You know, I know that uh, you mentioned that 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 this was kind of maybe the birthplace of your affinity for rural. So, talk about what that church was like, and how this experience kind of developed your heart. You know, what what was that first step the Lord took? So, well, I will tell you that 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 first church that we pastored was. A little bit of a trial by fire. Um, <laughs> I was, I'm, I'm looking back at the timeline, trying to remember, I think I was 26 years old at the time. So uh, fully mature, yeah. ready to handle it, good to go, you know, all those things. Yeah. Well, when you're 26, <laughs> you know everything. So That's you know, and, uh, what what I've reflected on after all of that, is, as the years have passed, is what in the world was that church thinking, bringing me in as their pastor? That was, sure, sure. That was you know, but I think there was a little bit of a desperation on their part. And, yeah, because uh, if I remember right, the church was kind of in an interesting place. So tell us about that. Yeah, there was the, the church, um, a couple of pastors before I got there, the church, uh, they had torn down their old building and built a new one. Um, church had been growing. And uh, so they wanted to expand. And so they tore down their old building and they built a new one. But the problem was that not everybody in the church was really on board with that decision. They had a majority, but not a strong majority. And so sure. as they began to build, uh, people started to leave the church. And 
when people leave the church, finances leave the church. Oh man, cut costs on the building, and and so um, so there were there were things that were not done correctly uh, in the building. And as soon as the building was done, uh, the pastor who had been a part of that building project resigned and left. And another sure. young pastor had come in right after that, and he had only been there for a few months when he noticed things like you know classroom doors in the church building not opening and closing. Correctly. Oh no. And issues began to happen. There started to be some leaks and just noticing just little things that he, at first, that he thought were just, you know, problems that were going to have to address. Coincidence. Right, 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 right. Something like that. But eventually they called someone in to take a look at it. And uh, this brand new church building that they had had was now condemned uh, and uninhabitable. And so, and so you know, they started renting a storefront and, and it was shortly after that, that that pastor uh, resigned and left. And I I think some of the stress of those issues uh, weighed on him. And, and so we came into the church knowing that portion of things. Sure. Um, What I did not know when I got there was the extent of the debt that there was on that building. Oh, wow. Uh, You know, over a half a million dollars in debt. Wow. For bad construction, that's the worst. Yeah. And on a building that you can't use. And and so now you've also got to rent a building that you can meet in. And of course, when we got there, you know, the church had dwindled to maybe 15, 20 people. And so you've got this heavy financial burden. And I'll I'll be honest with you, uh, my, my first position as a youth pastor paid very little. So moving into a church that paid very little, didn't seem like a huge stretch to me at the time. Yeah, it was it was what you did apparently, you know. So, yeah, yeah. so I, you know, I went from making fifty dollars a week to making seventy five dollars a week, and um, quite a jump. But my but my rent went up, so you know, it balanced things out. Uh, so that church, we, we we loved the people, and yet there were a lot of issues going on in that church. You had you had all of that external stuff with the building program with where things were at, but you also had internal conflict that was going on inside the church. You had factions in the church that didn't get along with each other. Some of those were caused by uh, the daughter of one family marrying the son of another family, and then they had kids, and then they divorced, and then they married the sons oh and daughters of other people in the church. And so we had custody battles uh, between church members and grandparents, you know, that are taking sides and wanting me to go to court to testify on their behalf. And wow. so we had those kinds of issues going on. We, we had, um, um, you, you know, and of course, in the middle of all of this, um, uh, my wife was pregnant with our first child. Sure. And, um, and, and I am desperately trying to make a living. So I am out there. I got a contract painting apartment buildings. I did some landscaping. I did school bus driving. I did substitute teaching. I, I did it all. In fact, you know, my boss at the bus garage was so kind. If I was, if I was subbing at the school, he would drive the bus to the school so I could leave the school, go get in the bus and, you know, drive. Uh, And he'd meet me there in the morning. I'd drop kids off. I'd get off the bus and he'd drive the bus back to the bus garage. And, you know, it was just like, wow. So my work days, just trying to make a living, were basically from about four thirty, five o'clock in the morning until eight, nine o'clock at night. Um, wow! 
trying to find a way to make a living. And then you're pastoring all of these other things in the midst of this. Um, so hearing you out though. So, so obviously the, the impression I've got so far, what I've learned is that the rural context can be pretty difficult and oftentimes pretty unhealthy. And so if I'm listening into this podcast, I'm going, man, where is this guy going? Because how does this situation, I'm almost wondering, and I even talked to you about it, but I'm wondering how does this situation lead you to grow in that love for the rural church? Tell us about it. Well, I will, I'll tell you, I, that it was one of those things where I, it didn't happen immediately. I have to, I have to finish the story of Thermopolis because God did some amazing things during the time that we were there. Oh, good. And, uh, and so one of the things that, and, and I don't take credit for this because again, I'm 26, 27, 28 years old at this time. Uh, I, I don't really know what I'm doing. I'm just out there, you know, making phone calls, beating the doors down, trying to do whatever I, I can do to resolve situations. And so I talked to the finance company that had financed the church that we couldn't use anymore. And uh, they agreed to um, some terms, like if we could sell the building for materials and then sell the land and give them all of that money, then they would forgive the rest of the debt. That we oh, had. wow. And so we were able to do that. We found a church uh, from Gillette, Wyoming, that was wanting to come down and they they tore the building apart, loaded up all of the materials and hauled it back to Gillette. And we're going to use some of the materials to build on their church. Um, wow. And then McDonald's moved into town and they bought the piece of property that the church had sat on on the main street. And and so then the rest of the debt was forgiven. And so the, the church, that major payment every month was gone. And then miraculously out of nowhere, I got a phone call one day. Uh, there was a lady that um, her husband had died and, and they had owned property in different places around the country. And for some reason, her husband had bought 20 acres of land in Thermopolis, <laughs> Wyoming. And uh, she didn't know what to do with it. And she just wanted to get rid of it. And so she uh, said, if you'll just go down to the courthouse and find out where the land is and get papers drawn up, I'll sign them and give your church the property. Wow. Uh, and uh, so this was a lady that was living up in Seattle. And so within the two and a half years that we were there, uh, we went from being a half a million dollars in debt and and having nothing to uh, owning 20 acres of land debt free and um, and having money in the bank. Wow. There was a miraculous. So I, I, I say all of that to say what it really spoke to me at that point was this had nothing to do with me. This was what God was doing for his church in rural America. And, and again, I don't know that I realized that completely at that time. It took some time because I went through so much stress <laughs> yeah. at that time in my life. that That's probably that when your hair health, turned white. Yeah, that's well, probably actually when it started. Really <laughs> uh, I, I left that church because I didn't think I could physically do it anymore. Oh, and, wow. Uh, that's actually kind of crazy. Yeah. And so we... Uh, I actually took a couple of years away from pastoring when we left there. I got a job working at a truck stop, you know, really enjoyed just punching a clock and working eight hours and going yeah. out and about the job. Honestly. And, and, uh, and God began to bless that. And I was actually offered a position at that truck stop to become their general manager. They offered me more money than I've ever seen in my life. And, and, and I really just began to pray because I'll be honest with it. After that first 
ministry experience of being a lead pastor. I wasn't sure. Yeah, you weren't too keen on it. Yeah. God, you know, and um, uh, so we began to pray and say, God, you know, should we take this job? What What should we do? You know, it wasn't an audible voice of God, but I pretty clearly heard God say, you can take that job and I will bless you, or you can do what I called you to do. Wow. <laughs> and leave it to God to say all the right things in the most direct ways. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and so at that moment, um, you know, I knew what I needed to do. Uh, went into work the next day and said, thank you for the offer of the job, but I'm going to turn it down. I really believe God wants me to be a pastor. And I'll, and it was within a week after that, that we got a call from the church in circle uh, asking if we would consider coming to be their pastor. And so we moved to circle and God really began the healing work in our lives in the rural context in circle. Oh, wow. And I think it was in Circle where, you know, Circle is is much more extremely rural and remote than Thermopolis was. And God just really put in my heart the love for these small communities and, and the people of God in these places and began to show me how the hurts that we had been through and the struggles that we had been through in ministry could be used to minister to others. And so that's where much of that heart really began to develop. Yeah. And so, so of course, that pastoral part of your career ends up spanning, you know, you did multiple years in circle and then 15 years in cut bank. But, but here's the thing, there's a key difference between still saying, I love the rural church and going from that to, I am compelled and to champion, to reach out to, and to care about other rural churches. So what, when was that great leap? Like what was, when did you know that God was kind of taking you to the next level in a sense? Like how did he continue changing your heart, I guess? Well, it was it was really again several years into Cutbank, I would say, where where that really solidified mm-hmm. in that level. Um, it was like it really dawned on me, you know what? If if a big city church asked me to come and be their pastor, wow. I don't think I would do it. My heart is for the rural church, for the small towns. I love the context of ministry in the rural areas and. And I began to see that way too many pastors and way too many people in general are looking for a way we consider, you know, a bigger church. Right. Step we up. kind of, I mean, whether we admit it or not, it, it feels like that that sense of promotion in this yeah. career of pastoring, you know, or it can at least. And it really dawned on me several years into the time in Cut Bank that that was not the case. Um, I don't, I didn't see going to a city or going to a larger church is a promotion. In fact, I saw it as, boy, I, that's not what I want right. to do. And, and it was, it was just that, that heart for the rural community that says, this is where ministry mm-hmm. really happens. And, and you get to be intimately involved in the lives, I think, again, I, I have not pastored in large. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So and we, we can't, I'm, we can't always speak to what we don't know, but we can speak to what we've experienced. Yeah. But I, I think I've got the opportunity to be involved in at a greater level in more people's lives in the rural context than sure. I do in a city context. It's it's just it's it's easier to have that kind of yeah. relational. Impact. And honestly, uh, that's one thing that we've heard time and time again. Um, I love when you say that there came a point where your heart was solidified, where you said, hey, it's it's really no longer about where could I go and what could I do? It's about God, help me love 
and love well the people in front of me. And I, I just want to encourage our listeners, you know, maybe they're rural pastors who are trying to find the words to speak to younger rural pastors who are struggling, or maybe you are the pastor who's struggling saying, how do I stick it out with the rural church? Oftentimes, it's just uh, loving people over a long period of time that solidifies that heart to say, God, if I lived and died with these people, I'd be okay. You know, and uh, man, that's cool. And I love that it sets you up for the next phase of your life. So tell us about RAM. What is the mission for the Rural American Ministries? And uh, and and maybe just highlight one or two stories of what you've seen God do through it as an organization. So what I would say about RAM Network is that we exist to support rural churches and rural pastors um, and to help uh, enhance the effectiveness of rural ministry. Um, and primarily by doing three things, by, by helping pastors develop leadership in their church, spreading the workload out. It's, it's not all about the pastor doing And so we want to help them create that healthy uh, leadership pipeline within their church. The other thing is to uh, enhance their organizational capabilities, to come alongside of them, to say, hey, wait, how do we, how do we effectively minister in our community? How do we organize the church to be able to do that? And then the third aspect is really a big one because it encompasses a lot, which is just that we exist to help meet practical mm-hmm. needs wherever we can in the rural church context. And so that can look like a lot of different things. We we do a rural pastor's oh, wow. marriage conference, and uh, that that has been a huge success. Uh, we do we we bring in teams of people that want to do a missions trip into a rural context. Uh, so we've got several of those going on this summer. Uh, we do some building projects on churches. So there's a lot of different ways that we can do that. Uh, just assisting churches with whatever they might need, which might be connecting them with another resource. You know, one of the things that uh, that we hear the questions a lot are have to do with, um, um, you know, technology sure. and those kinds of things. And I am not the technology guy, but I can hook yeah, you up with somebody sure. who is. So, you know, we'll just link you up. Yeah, with somebody. And uh, have there ever been any of those uh, those moments where you feel like even individual stories have impacted you through the work you've been able to do? Any highlight reels that you could take a second and share with us? Well, I'm I'm going to tell you that where where we have seen the greatest impact is where we've been able to work with a pastor and a church in multiple contexts over mm. a longer period of time. And so I can tell you where we've where we've had the pastor that has come to a marriage retreat and just been refreshed and, and built up uh, in that context where we've gone in and we've we've taken them through the Acts 2 journey and we've helped them through an organizational thing. We've mentored, gone through some of the Paul to Timothy mentoring with these pastors where maybe we've brought in a team and we've done a work project in the church or we've done ministry or a church where sure. I've been an interim pastor and then we help do that and and then we bring in resources wow. to help the church with other things that they have so those churches where we've been able to have uh ongoing ministry in a lot of different contexts is where we've seen the greatest awesome. results uh where the yeah that's awesome and honestly uh you know i think that's really cool because obviously one of the one of the chips on our shoulder that comes with with rural is that idea that you know I'm overlooked, or when someone reaches out to me, it's it's you know to to try and meet a need or to get me to do something, and and here you are saying, hey, can we, 
you know, especially for that, that pastor and his family that you might be reaching out to and helping long term. I mean, think of how many needs you're meeting where they just have to feel over and over the outpouring of God's love for the work they're doing. Um, if someone wanted to uh, uh, find that support, um, if someone wanted to reach out to Ram and uh, and maybe touch base about some of the support you guys offer that you guys' organization offers, um, how could they reach out? You know, give us some some connection points here. Well, the easiest way is to go onto our website, uh, which is simply ramnetwork.org. And uh, from there, there's a contact info, uh, not only for myself, but for all of our, we have, we have several missionaries that work with us uh, around the country. Uh, we are, we're still in the process of recruiting more. So uh, one of the things I'm even going to be doing down here in Mississippi is trying to recruit uh, somebody to work with us down in this area that can be a resource that we can, it's, it's just hard to get the, the information to us oh, sure. we don't have people everywhere. So we do sure. have people in Texas. We have people in North Dakota. We have people in Illinois. We're, of course, uh, Montana, now Mississippi. Uh, so we're spreading out. Um, but if they go to the website, they can um, get a hold of, of me or any of our missionaries that are working with us. And uh, we can certainly make contact with you and see what we can do to help. We would love to connect with rural pastors and churches all around the country. Yeah. And uh, one more time, what was that website? It is ramnetwork.org. Awesome. And we will have a link to that ramnetwork.org in the show notes. And uh, I encourage you to check it out. You know, this uh, Rich Rich Greenwald and the stuff he's been doing has been just an encouragement to me. And I know that uh, for a long time, I've heard nothing but good things about what you guys are doing. So um, last question I want to ask is, uh, is, it's just something that, you know, I said it kindly at the beginning of the podcast. I said, you know, that you've been at ministry for a number of years, which I mean, you can interpret that whatever way you want, but it does give you the right to say certain things. And so uh, you've been in rural ministry for 30 years by my count. And so what are some of the principles or nuggets of wisdom that you have lived by over the years? What's what's one of those things you can pass on to the rural pastors? Well, you know, I've been just thinking about a couple of things. And um, one of those is relationships are key. If you're doing ministry in rural America, and now I've been in enough places in rural America to really emphasize this, uh, <laughs> you, know, you, you, you think, well, maybe it's just cultural where I am, but then you go to yeah, another. No, it's everywhere. <laughs> and it is everywhere. Uh, relationships are the key. And uh, if you are too task-oriented, you're going to fail because you've mm -hmm. got to balance that with relationships and keep relationships the priority. That to me is number one. Um, okay. another thing that kind of plays into that is I would say, don't be afraid to do the right thing, but make sure that you do the right thing the right way. And, hmm. uh, unpack uh, that for us. You know, sometimes we have this little fear, oh, we've got to confront this. We've got to deal with this as a pastor of a rural church. And, but if I confront this person, then this whole group of people might leave. The, I mean, yeah, the, there's the interconnected relationships. You've got this family context and, yep. um, and, and you make one family angry by confronting somebody. Um, you're, you're, you may have issues. Um, but I have learned over the years that I can't walk in fear of what the consequences might be. I just have to be bold enough to do the right thing. But sometimes we do the right thing in the wrong way and we're too aggressive and we are too, uh, 
you know, black and white, and we're not, we're not giving grace along the way. And so, so many times I've seen pastors do the right thing, but if it's not done the right way, it can have disastrous effects. And mm. so you can't be afraid to do it, but make sure that your heart is right. Make sure that you're going into it with the right attitude. Um, so often the things that I'm talking about have to do with conflict in the church. Oh, and, sure. And, and with conflict, redemption is always the goal. You're, you're trying to redeem that relationship. You're trying to, to restore. And if you ever go into those things in a punitive nature, it's, it's probably not going to end well. So always have that redemptive heart. And that has to be the priority in us as we enter into those things. And that will serve us well as we walk through the conflicts that you deal with and the struggles that you walk through, um, which are a daily part of life. Oh, sure. In ministry. Awesome. Well, uh, well, I, I do want to say, uh, Pastor Rich, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Well, thanks for having me. It has been a joy. And uh, my prayer is that, that, you know, some of my experiences will speak to people and will make life easier for them. That's the goal. Absolutely. Well, no matter what, it's uh, actually already spoken to me. So, I mean, it's at least one solid listener touched by the wisdom of Pastor Rich Greenwald. Well, hey, from all of us at Real Advancement, we just want to say thank you for tuning in today. Uh, again, it is our goal every single week to bring you content that speaks right to the heart of what it is to do God's work in a small, out-of-the-way place. You are seen, you are valued, and uh, and I hope through RAM and the work that uh, Pastor Rich is doing and, and what he has shared that you can feel equipped um, and empowered to do so. And so feel free to reach out to, again, ramnetwork.org. Uh, also, for this podcast, feel free to look us up on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or www.ruraladvancement.com. And uh, as always, in the most rural of all fashions, uh, the easiest way that stuff like this is going to spread is by word of mouth. So if you find a pastor that might need to be in on one of these conversations, you point them our direction. And for now, we will see you next week. Mm -hmm.